God, it feels great to be back. I mean, seriously, back on a regular schedule. I can't tell you how many nights it was trying to figure out how I was going to do those extra episodes, especially with me being on vacation, funeral, and all that good stuff. But I'm here, I'm back, and I'm ready to rock and roll. So let's go ahead and get started like we always did with comics. Today, we're going to be talking about Immortal X-Men issue number three. And yes, this is still part of the Sins of Sinister. So if you guys have been keeping up with it, it's been getting really weird. And this is actually one of the last books in this event. So this takes place a thousand years later. Yes, a thousand years later. So like the other ones, it was taking place around, I don't want, what was it, a hundred, one year or ten year, hundred year, thousand year. Yeah, that's exactly the timeline. So right now we're a thousand years and the comic starts with Rasputin 4 entering a ship where a clone Exodius resides and this dude is huge. Don't know what he did to his body, but this dude's a giant. She locates a clone with the answers to where is Moria or at least a clone as to what my assumption is. But the huge clone of Exodius wakes up, she leaves the ship and her and Sinister leave. They lead him to another clone of Exodius, and it's explained that these guys, uh, Exodiuses, that are different places in space, basically, if they come in contact with each other, they think each other as heathens and try to destroy each other, which also wipes out an entire system. So that's great. Anyway, after they basically escape Exodius, they go to the coordinates that they found on the clone and find a device that Sinister only knows about. He puts the device together and it's a message from destiny. She describes what happened, basically, of course, what happened with Mystique and why she wants the whole universe to be basically reset. She also gives him coordinates to where she can find Moria and tells him that his plan to transcend time and the universe, which was his original plan, will fail. Rasputin, who's listening to this, asks Sinister if he's going to save the universe. He says no, and they begin to fight. Sinister, basically knowing Rasputin 4 inside and out, knowing her mutant abilities because he basically created her, ejects her from the airlock. Knowing that this won't kill her, but because he never gave her the ability to fly, she's basically just going to freeze to death. He goes to where Destiny told him to go and eventually runs into the true Moria, the one that doesn't have her powers anymore because she transferred her consciousness into a cyborg. And she is going to help him locate the clone. Meanwhile, the council, especially Emma, learns that Sinister is alive and is looking for the clone. She sends her entire fleet and students after Sinister because she basically built a life. She is absolute ruler or one of the absolute rulers. You still got the other members of the Quiet Council. Uh, one thing also is that when Sinister met with the Trumoria, they had a Doombot that informed Beast that Sinister was alive without either realizing it. Meanwhile, Rasputin begins to hear someone ask if they want to make a deal to which Moria agrees because she wants to get back at Sinister. And that's it for the issue. It was a very weird one, I will admit, but they're definitely building up to what they're wanting. I will say this though, it's very interesting that I figured that this event would have more of a push or more of an overarching feel, but it feels just like a contained story. 
I'm very curious to see how it's all going to end. Very much so. Anyway, that's it for Marvel. We're moving to DC with Adventures of Superman. John Kent, issue number two. Now, this starts off with young John basically trapped in a volcano with Ultraman. And we're just basically getting a taste of how he was tortured all those years. Then it cuts to the present with Lois talking to Jay about how to deal with how Superman goes off to save the day and when he's gone and doing these ridiculous stunts. Red Tornado begins to track down Ultraman throughout the universe and John brings the Phantom Projector. He jokes that he broke a lock made of a dwarf star and his dad is not going to be happy about that. My opinion is, how the heck do you make a lock out of a dwarf star? I would love to get that because that would be protection of the gods. Anyway, uh, Val basically tells John that, that Lois is tracking and they have to wait because the only way for Lois to track him is after he's killed another Clark and is jumping to a new universe. She eventually finds him and they all head out. John asks why they haven't gotten other Johns to join. And he states while most universes may or may not have a John, a lot of them are way too young. Because remember, John is the, is the way he is is because he was trapped for years in another universe and when he got back, it was as if he never left or a few months had passed. To him, it was years. Now, Val does mention that there is another John Kent around his age, but he is in a world with the undead. And it's basically alluding to Tom Taylor's other series, Deceased. Now, while flying, they are ambushed by Ultraman, who breaks Lois' red tornado in two. Val goes to grab her, and they don't realize that he also knocked John out of the sky and took his phantom projector, which he uses to trap both of them into the phantom zone. Now, he basically unwittingly saved Lois' red tornado because nothing really can die in the phantom zone. So they are able to basically preserve Lois, which is great. Ultraman probably didn't realize he was doing this, but it's a win-win. Anyway, after he basically traps them, John gets ticked and starts attacking Ultraman. And they're basically going back and forth. Ultraman states that John is holding back and John begins to glow blue again. As they fight, he unlocks his hidden power and knocks Ultraman out, which drains him. So he is knocked out too. Ultraman is the first one to wake up and he begins to choke John, stating that he's going to trap him in another volcano for years to come. And someone grabs Ultraman's head and snaps his neck. And it is revealed to be the Injustice Superman. He looks at John and notes that he has Lois's eyes. And the comic ends. Now, I have no idea how the heck Injustice Superman got there. Because one, I wasn't expecting that ending. And two, it makes you think which ending in Injustice 2 was the right one. Was it the Superman ending where he basically takes control of the entire world and basically mind controls batman or did he escape the phantom zone i have no idea and the one thing that's interesting is the fact that he is basically after ultraman or in my theory he was working together with ultraman for some ulterior purpose and this is the one i've come to he's basically taking out superman clarks so he can be with their world's lois or so he can take the young John Kents of those universes and basically be a father to them, which was taken away from him 
by the Joker when the entire story of Injustice happened. That is my theory. But again, maybe that's not, it's going to work like that. Who knows? Anyway, that is it for comics. We're going to be moving on to TV shows. And my God, with Star Wars Celebration here, it's going to be a fun one. So to start off, we're going to be talking about the Ahsoka trailer. Oh my god, does it look amazing! We finally get to see Chopper, Sabine Wren, Ezra, or at least a hologram of Ezra, and Hera. You know how awesome it looks in the fact that they made Hera look amazing? I was scared that it was going to be some CGI, but it's practical effects, and I can't wait to see how it goes. I'm very curious to see where her son is in all this. Because if you remember, at the end of Rebels, she had a son with Kanan, who was, of course, currently passed. But anyway, it's very interesting to see how amazing this series is going to be, especially since it revolves around Thrawn or searching for both Ezra and Thrawn. And I guess that there are still some Inquisitors out there because we saw a lot of Force users wielding red lightsabers. So I don't know if they're Inquisitors or if Thrawn or the Emperor had some people in the background that weren't Inquisitors at all. Now, one thing that's very interesting is that in the trailer, they stated that Thrawn is the heir to the Empire, which is very interesting because that means the Emperor had such high respect for Thrawn that he wanted him as the head until, of course, Palpatine could get cloned and all that good stuff. Anyway, so besides all this, Dave Filoni had been talking about for years having a crossover between all the shows to face the new Empire, which we all know eventually leads to um, the New Order. But it's definitely interesting. The one thing that kind of sucks is that Zeb isn't going to be in the show at all from what I've seen. So he's probably going to be a surprise cameo because doing all that CGI for him probably is kind of expensive. But the one thing I didn't expect to show up was Hu Yang, who was a character introduced in the Clone Wars. And if you don't know who that is, and if you haven't watched The Clone Wars, he's basically a thousand, or probably at this point, maybe a, a thousand and something, year old android. And he is basically a lightsaber builder. He was introduced in The Clone Wars during the Youngling arc, and he's voiced by David Tennant. And is still voiced by David Tennant. And he has such knowledge of the different Jedi that have come across and come in, including Yoda, because he's older than Yoda. One thing I love and I can't wait for is the fact that Thrawn was briefly shown and he is being played by his own voice actor from Rebels. So, this is a good thing. We're getting so much and I can't wait to see Ahsoka and all these characters converge and finally answer the questions that Rebels left us with. And how much power Thrawn actually has. I Ooh, Thrawn is going to be a good villain. Especially for those not familiar with him. Think of him like Sherlock Holmes, but just evil. Actually, you know what? Um, What's his face? From Inglorious uh, Bastards. That's probably a good representation of who Thrawn actually is. And after that, moving on to new Star Wars stuff. A new show with Lando Carissian as the main character with Donald Glover is still set in talks. While they've stated that they still want the show to happen 
it hasn't been confirmed. Now, again, it's very interesting to see why they would want a Lando Carissian show. Honestly, Lando is a very interesting character. So I wouldn't mind a show kind of showing the underworld of Star Wars itself. And maybe it'll connect to the others in some way, or it could be a limited series like Obi-Wan was. Who knows? He's a very interesting character, so I actually wouldn't mind new stuff from him. Also, one thing that's very interesting is that Tales of the Jedi Season 2 has been confirmed. Now, I don't know if this is still going to be about Count Dooku and Ahsoka, because honestly, one thing that they can do is basically have each season be about two separate characters that we really didn't get to know and their background with. That would actually be pretty cool, because at this point, I don't see how Count Dooku or even Ahsoka Tano can be expanded upon since we're getting an Ahsoka show, which can do that already, and with Dooku, maybe we can get something along the lines of, I don't know, maybe time when he was a Separatist, and was of course fighting in the Clone Wars. That would be actually be pretty cool, but honestly, I would rather have it be about two other characters that we didn't really get to know. Now, also during the Star Wars celebration, they had uh, different trailers that were not released officially for, of course, the skeleton crew, which looked interesting, but it was so grady that I couldn't tell you what it was about. But all I know is that it's going to be very dark. Anyway, that's it for the Star Wars celebration on the TV show side. We're going to be moving on to the Adventures of Superman, which was one of the shows that was announced that's going to be, uh, I think, talking about Superman going back and forth between civilian and Superman life. And I think focusing on Jimmy Olsen, if I remember correctly, or Lois Lane. <laughs> Again, I don't remember which one it was. There was so much DC stuff. Anyway... So the show looks like it took some notes from anime animation and it looks really great. It looks very fluid and that is not a bad thing. I love it when they take inspiration from anime because we get great animation for shows like The Boondocks, Avatar The Last Airbender and other shows like it. So good thing. Anyway, one thing that is very interesting is this is probably going to be talking about the early years of Superman because he looks so young. And one thing that's very surprising, especially to someone who knows about this channel alone, it's going to be airing on Adult Swim. And why is that surprising? It's because Adult Swim is known for more obscure shows, not really high budget shows. And if you know, you know. Anyway, again, I'm surprised it's not on HBO Max. Excited to see where it goes, but maybe it's going to be good. Maybe it's going to be bad. Who knows? But I'm excited to see it. Anyway, moving on, The Muppets. Yes, The Muppets are getting a spinoff about their band, Electric Mayhem. And it's going to be called, hear the drumroll please, Muppets Mayhem. I'm excited about it. I don't know much about what the show is going to be about, but anything new with The Muppets is a good thing because they... Disney has no idea what to do with the Muppets. I was wanting a new Muppet movie or even a rebooted Muppet show with some of the great writing they used to. Also, I'm still not used to Kermit's new voice actor. I'm sorry. He just sounds weird. Anyway, that is it for TV shows. We're going to be moving on to movies. And one thing that was announced during the Star Wars celebration is a, the not announced, but shown was the new Indiana Jones trailer. 
and it just hits with the good type of nostalgia. And it basically, the trailer shows his relationship to his goddaughter and how the dial of destiny connects to him from the past. It's going to be really great. I'm really excited to see some of the returning characters from the previous movies. And the actor who plays the villain, oh my god, he just plays an excellent villain. One thing I'm very curious and I'm wondering is if uh, the actor who just won an Oscar is going to show up who played Short Round. That would be kind of cool to show that cameo. But it is what it is. I'm excited for Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, and hopefully it's good and better than the Crystal Skull. I'm hoping it's better than the Crystal Skull, especially since this is probably the last time Harrison Ford is going to play the character. Anyway, continuing with the Star Wars post, Dave Filoni is finally, finally getting his right dues and getting a chance to direct a Star Wars movie. No one has been more deserving to direct a Star Wars movie than Dave Filoni. This dude has given us Clone Wars, Rebels, and has been basically one of the architectures of building the fandom of Star Wars and expanding upon the universe. Hell, he should be head of Lucasfilms. That's exactly who should be head. Him or John Favaro, but I'm leaning towards Filoni more. And this movie is going to be taking place in the Mandover. So basically around the Mandalorian, Book of Boba, Ahsoka. And apparently this movie is going to be set in the New Republic and will connect and close the plots for all these shows and will most likely show the beginning of the end of the New Republic. And probably the main villain of this is going to be Thrawn. I'm super excited to see where it goes. And just, I know it's going to blow our minds because Dave Filoni just never disappoints. So I'm super happy. And another announcement is that James Mangold is also getting a chance to direct a new Star Wars film. And if that name sounds somewhat familiar, he is the same guy who directed Logan, who directed the Wolverine. So I am very happy because he can hit the gritty. He can hit the dark. And this is what... This Star Wars needs, it needs gritty. It needs to show us it's not always a winning movie. Similar to how Andor or, um, oh my God, uh, what's the movie? Um, Rogue One. Yes, Rogue One was. And I mean, honestly, with Logan under his belt, Mangold can definitely give us a gritty Star Wars film. And his film is going to be set 25,000 years before the events of the movies. And will show the origins of the Jedi and the Sith. I can't wait for this movie. This is going to be fantastic. And I'm glad that they're basically going to show the origins. Especially with this director. He's fantastic. Anyway, that is not the end of who else is going to be directing a new Star Wars film. Uh, Charmaine Obad Chinoy. I am very apologetic if I butchered that name is set to direct a new Star Wars film set 15 years after the events of Rise of the Rise of Skywalker. And Daisy Ridley is set to return and her uh, of course her character Rey is going to be rebuilding the Jedi Order. Now, I know a lot of people were not happy to hear this news, and a lot of you, especially me, are hesitant. But I will give it a chance because I do not blame the actress for how bad the Star Wars movies were. I blame the writers 
and the fact that Disney didn't have any idea of the direction they wanted to go with the franchise. As soon as they bought it, they got J.J. Abrams, wrote a Star Wars film, and it just, yeah, we all saw where that went. But I'm really hoping that after all these years and all these shows, showing that a good direction is good so it doesn't screw anybody having to go back and pick up the pieces that Star Wars still can tell good stories about the future. Because we are very hesitant of showing anything set after The Rise of Skywalker because of how much of a mess that whole franchise is. Anyway, I'm very surprised that Daisy Ridley was going to return. Note, it probably has to do with something about her not being able to work in any new TV shows and movies after Star Wars. I mean, let's be honest, I don't really recall her being in a new movie or even a TV show after Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So I guess that played a big factor because I know she was saying, oh, I don't think I'm going to return as the character and here we are years later. Shoot, I wonder if anyone's going to go in her uh, IMBD and see if she actually did star in anything after Star Wars. Anyway. I have high hopes for the Star Wars franchise, I really do, and just praying that they don't mess it up, because if all the other films do great, and this one does poorly, they're gonna have to just do some major cleanup about the future of Star Wars. Anyway, uh, that's it for basically the movies that were announced, or no, there were other movies announced, but these are the ones that already have directors tied to them. They already have about nine films slated. So the one with Daisy Ridley will be a start of a new trilogy. The one beforehand will be a start of a new trilogy set in the High Republic. So there are other films, but these are the ones that have directors already attached and will basically be the experiment of, is this a good idea for us to go with? Uh, moving on, the next Illumination film is going to be called Migration and will be basically be about ducks migrating, I don't know, to the south, to up north after uh, winter is over. But knowing uh, Illumination, it's going to be either really good or it's going to be really bad. For some reason, there's no in-between. Moving on, Universal and Blumhouse has released a picture and poster for the new film Five Nights of Freddy's. So this movie is releasing October 27th. So that's good because it's releasing around Halloween and will also be releasing on Peacock at the same time. Now, allegedly around the same time. I don't know if it's going to give it like a two, three week space to see how well it does in movies. But I'm very happy to see a franchise that is maybe 10 years old already have so much lore tied to it. Books, other video games, videos. And I really hope this does really well. And you know what? I'm super excited about Five Nights at Freddy's. A lot of people was like, oh, why didn't they make a movie 10 years ago while it was still super popular? And I would argue that it's still popular. And honestly, it's a franchise that's only maybe 10, 11 years old. So you got to give it time to get build up lore. So when it's time to make a movie, they have something to write about. So that is really good. And I'm super excited to see how this entire franchise Will be expanded upon. Uh, speaking of franchises to be expanded upon, a live-action Minecraft movie was announced with Jason Momoa going to be in the film. And honestly, 
When it comes to a film like this, I do feel like it's 10 years too late. You know why? Because what story is there in Minecraft? It's not like Five Nights at Freddy's where you have all this lore to build. It's Minecraft. Given they've released other stories in Minecraft and stuff like that, but I'm just, I don't know where they're going to go with it. Maybe they'll do something like Legos where it's a new character, a new world, or they'll have multiple worlds. I just don't know why it took so long to do this. Honestly, I think it's because of The Last of Us. The Last of Us was so successful that it's boosted confidence in video game adaptations. Now, I'm hoping that it boosted the confidence for good adaptations, not bad ones. We do not need any more freaking House of the Dead or something. We need good ones or the new Resident Evil TV show that was on Netflix. We do not need more shows like that or movies. We need quality, quality. Anyway, uh, yeah. So hopefully that is going to be the case. Moving on, Spider-Verse trailer, and it is new, it is fresh, and it is amazing. I like that Miles made fun of the spot because he is very much a underrated character in the Star Wars, not Star Wars, oh my god, I'm still talking about Star Wars, Spider-Man Rogue Gallery. I mean, he popped up here and there. He was in the animated series, but not a lot of people knew what to do with him. So I'm excited that he's going to be the main villain or one of the villains in the new movie. And honestly, I'm curious to see how much of an impact he will have. I like how they made Miles more relatable, especially the in the trailer where he got a B in Spanish and his mom freaked out. I got a B in my Spanish test? Oh my God, did my mom freak out? So super excited there. I'm very curious to see what the secret is that no one told Miles and it's going to be shaping the film, especially since you saw Spider B Parker saying, I'm sorry when Miles said, you knew. So I'm curious to see where all this is going. I loved how they showed um, Mayday Parker and how crazy this movie is going to be. One thing that's kind of funny, and I love this in the trailer, was the fact that uh, freaking Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099, Mentioned the MCU, but not called it 616, but 199999, which was the original designation of the movie MCU Universe. And I loved how he made a callback to No Way Home. So I'm excited to see this movie, and I cannot wait. This is definitely going to be a movie that I go ahead and watch in IMAX 3D. Heck, I'm watching Guardians of the Galaxy in IMAX. Not 3D, because honestly, 3D glasses are eh. I'm just happy to see it in IMAX. So super excited to see where all this goes. And I'm excited that Spider-Man is coming back and that it's a two-parter. So next year, we're still getting Spider-Verse. We don't have to wait. How long has it been? Six years? Good God. That's a long time. Anyway, super excited. Moving on to video games. Overwatch Season 4 trailer has been released and it will be launching April 11th. So I'm, I gotta say, Overwatch has been letting me down. Their stuff that they promised in Overwatch 2 hasn't come to pass. Like what? What was the biggest thing? Oh yeah, a story mode. Where's the story mode in Overwatch 2 that they kept telling us about? Oh, you'll get to expand upon the story. You'll be able to do this. You'll be able to do that. Where is it, Blizzard? Where is it? Heck, Activision. My man, where is all this stuff you promised us? 
They are adding a new character, a support hero called Lifeweaver, and a new community map, which I do like. It's called Talentus. So I'm really glad that they're uh, taking all these community-made maps and making them into the game. So that's cool. I'm super hopeful that they're able to put Overwatch back on the map, since in recent months it's also been losing some players here and there. And I'm hoping they finally do something with the story. Now, speaking of games that have lost players in the recent months, Season 3 for Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone 2 is releasing the next day, April 12th, and we'll be adding new game modes, skins, and other stuff. Now, COD is another game, like I said before, has been losing their number of players in recent months, and I'm hoping they're able to bring them back, because hype needs to return for the franchise, especially since we're not getting a new game until 2024. That's the other big thing. So we'll see where it goes, and hopefully we are able to come back to Call of Duty because Battlefield uh, 2049 or 2042, I don't even remember at this point, is starting to become a decent game, which happens with every other Battlefield. So who knows, maybe it'll rise up to where Battlefield 4 was and be a hard competitor for freaking Call of Duty. Anyway, moving on to a studio that knows how to keep a franchise going and keep a fan base happy, and that is No Man's Sky. And it's getting an Interceptor update, which will bring a new force that has spread throughout the galaxy, transforming Sentinel Guardians into strange forms and creating new enemies. Now, like I said, No Man's Sky is a perfect example of how a franchise can be brought back from basically the dead, especially after a rocky start. So hopefully this update is really great and people can be happy. Heck, at this point with how popular No Man's Sky is, I'm actually surprised they haven't done, um, what is it, a movie or a TV show because there's so much story that can be made in this universe. Who knows? I'm excited to see where it goes. You know what? Honestly, I wouldn't mind an anime adaptation because we've had really good ones like Cyberpunk, which would be fantastic. But anyway, the next game I'm going to be talking about is Meet Your Maker. And the game is... it's okay. It's free for the month of PlayStation. And it's an interesting concept that you basically can build a fort or play in other people's fort. Where you have to get the core. You can make traps, make enemies, and make it as hard as you want to for other people. The controls and everything can be very frustrating at times. It kind of sucks that the main gun you have only has a couple of like arrows or shots and you have to collect them, which could lead to you dying a lot of times. The good thing is that there's no penalty for dying multiple times as you try to figure your way in and try to figure your way out. Now it can be fun, but the pacing can be frustrating. You can go from slow too fast to a very very slow burn and you know what i got bored after a couple hours and i really didn't feel the need to go back because it's like one of those games where you're like eh, i mean i can do this there's nothing really dragging me into it and if my friend tells me hey i built something try to figure this out i may do it but there's nothing really tying me down to this game hopefully that changes but who knows Anyway, that's it for video games. We're moving on to nerd theories. Now, the one thing I want to say, and a lot of people will disagree with, is the future of Star Wars. And I think people have gotten really spoiled again with how much Star Wars we have gotten. And I say this because I see a lot of people 
complaining, complaining about the direction of Mandalorian season three. And I think we really got to give Dave Filoni a break. This man has basically been carrying Star Wars on his back for years, almost two decades at this point. And we really needed to let him do his own thing. Because think about it. He gave us the Clone Wars. He gave us Ahsoka. He gave us so many different characters that we love to this day. And so many people are hating on him with how the direction of Mandalorian Season 3 is going. And it's not a bad direction. You guys got to remember, he's building up what's to come. Sure, there may be some filler episodes here and there. But it's necessary to build the world up. Heck, a lot of people complain during Star Wars The Clone Wars. Why do we have to care about this uh, planet? Why do we have to care about this series? And in the end, we ended up loving it because we understood what he was doing. And I think people have lost their grasp on that. And so what? Lizzo was in Star Wars. Who wouldn't kill to be in Star Wars? Honestly, people just need to come down. Calm down. Star Wars fans are one of the most toxic fandoms in any other medium because we whine whenever we don't get our way. And it's really just pathetic at this point. Like I said, we have a good direction on where we want Star Wars to go at this point. Let's not ruin it and go back to the Dark Ages, which were the sequel series. We can do better. And honestly, we should just stay quiet for now. For now. Until the new movies and everything set to the future of Star Wars is revealed. Because like I said, Dave Filoni is directing a new Star Wars movie which is supposed to tie in everything. So of course he's focusing on the side characters because he's not going to be able to do that in the movie. And we won't know how much they matter until then. So that's it for my nerd theories. I think that he's building up the world. He's making us care about these side characters. Because something is going to happen in future shows, future seasons, and when everything ties into one. So, again, that's all I got to say about that. Moving on to current events. Joseph Staten, head of the creative mind behind Halo Infinite and the cinematic director of the first three Halo games, is leaving Microsoft. This is insane. What is Microsoft doing with the Halo franchise? Because I don't know. I mean, this man has been, of course, the cinematic director of the first three Halo games, left Bungie to go and join 343 for Halo, and is now leaving Microsoft. I don't know what is going on in Microsoft for people to jump ship from the Halo franchise. They honestly need to reset, take away the rights from 343, Give it to a new studio or do something new. Because if this is the news that Microsoft keeps telling people, hey, this guy's leaving, this guy's leaving, it's not going to bode well for them at all. So yeah, another person who has been there since the beginning has left Halo. God, this is a terrible news. Oh, this franchise is going to die. That's, that's, that's not even a prediction at this point. Well, that's it for current events. And yeah, that was a terrible current event. But anyway, I'm super excited that I'm back on a regular schedule. I'll let you guys know when I'm going to be a little loopy with the schedule. But I'm back and I'm ready to tell you guys about the news. So sayonara, see you later, and have a blessed one.
Goodbye. <laughs>